And so God is going to open doors for you. Just stay there. Uh, there were many times when, uh, as a young, young man, I wanted to give up because I, I really thought, you may, you may not believe this, but it's true, I really thought that God did not prefer me. I thought he preferred others. And uh, it was just a lie that the enemy was trying to feed me. And for a little while, I ate from that. But then I came to know this amazing, loving God who never does that. The, the problem is you don't take bread out of the oven before it's ready. You know, I mean, that's what it was all about. And so the Lord, the Lord had to bake me a little bit more. And uh, so I think that that's, this is really good. Uh, so just do whatever Jesus wants you to do. And we are living in, obviously, the last days. And there are so many things that are happening that are fulfilling Scripture. It actually boggles my mind to see people being careless about the things of God and thinking almost as though they have a right to uh, give God some advice or maybe just say, well, Lord, I just don't think this should be happening and you should perhaps listen to me. I'm so shocked that many who, uh, whom I've called brother and sister don't seem to be discerning the times. I ask myself, how is that possible? How is it possible? And that's an answer maybe I don't want to know right now. Um, uh, how is it possible? Like, I don't want to know uh, what causes this mystery of iniquity. I don't want to know. I know how you can be made a perfect being, living in a perfect environment, worshiping the one and only perfect God, and then somehow find a way to be the devil. I mean, and th those are things I don't want to know. But this is what I do know, that I must know him. This is what I know. I, I, um, I love this subject, and I want to share with you briefly uh, tonight, I must know him. I'm going to take um, my, my scriptures, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's start in verse 1 rather than um, the verse I sent originally. Let's start in verse 1. That I, I must know him. I must know him in the sense that in the sense that he must be your one desire, that you must love Jesus. He is your one desire. Uh, when I was a young man, uh, my pastor said that John the Baptist had one message and uh, repent and be baptized. You know, he had this one message. And uh, my pastor always th told us, he said, he didn't need another one until the people did that one. And so with all of us, we tend to sort of measure ourselves by ourselves or measure ourselves by others. Uh, and I, I have been guilty of that in my life. I've often said to you that if you've been a particular way, I probably have been that way too because I am just a person, ordinary uh, a person. And uh, the, the, the scripture is just so amazing and so uh, amazingly beautiful in that uh, I used to measure myself by what I thought I should be rather than what God had said. And I remember uh, once in, in 1990, I had gone away to a lake to, to spend some time with the Lord, and I was going to spend two weeks, and I took several jugs of water with me. And in that time, the Lord began to deal with me. He didn't tell me about how wrong other people were or what they were or, or were not doing, but he began to deal with me because I had 
been comparing myself with others. That is, okay, if this person is doing that way now, if I can just measure up to that person a little bit. And that, on that fast, the Lord uh, gave me several rebukes. Uh, for 11 days each day, he would give me a rebuke and, uh, and talk with me about his son and that Jesus Christ himself is the pattern and that you and I should be looking to Jesus, not to others, not even to ourselves, but looking to Jesus, the author. So I will never get tired of telling you something that I know about Jesus because God gave us Jesus and he gave us his very best in him. So as believers today, we must be guardians of the truth. We must know the truth. The scripture says, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I do know there are versions who say it will set you free. And I think that it will do both. But if you are set free without being made free, you're still a slave. You have that same mentality. But if, when he makes you free, he says, he whom the son makes free is free indeed. Amen. And so I want us to be free tonight from all encumbrances, all those things that will distract us, that we sometimes call good. But if they are distracting us, they can't be too good. And so let us be, be people of the truth. Paul teaches us that we are the pillar and ground of the truth. I, I always love the scripture. We, we are the pillar and ground of the truth. And what he is showing us is that without those blood-bought, blood-washed believers, without those who have received the engrafted word of God, without those who are vessels of the Holy Spirit, there is no truth. And we are in a place where we need truth. We need truth, and we are people of truth. So it doesn't matter where we find that, that truth. We must proclaim truth Amen. wherever we are. Amen. 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 Um, let me go to Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So what what Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is saying is that you and I uh, have a promise that remains, that is left for us. It is left for a people group. Not, not ethnically, uh, as co uh, according to the world, but it is left to a people group that is the people of God. There is a promise uh, of entering a rest. And this rest is where we cease from our own doings our own labors, our own plans, our own machinations. We cease from that. Uh, there are, and I want to never, ever pick on anybody's doctrine unless it's totally bad. And I'll do that. So Paul, or, or the writer, I always keep saying Paul. A lot of us kind of wonder who wrote the book of Hebrews. I think it was probably Paul, but we don't fully know. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor, uh, Matthew 11. He says, come unto me, unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You have a load on you. Uh, and I will give you rest. Uh, and so Jesus tells us in, the, in Matthew 11, verses 28, 29, he tells us that he then is our place of rest. He is our Sabbath rest. You will not find biblical rest. Therefore, you will not find any rest that God calls rest until you come to know Jesus Christ. 
That's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. And then when you come to Jesus, you don't want to come to him in some religious way, some holier-than-thou way. You want to come to him totally humble and receive the rest of God. That is the rest that God gives where your labors are, are, are inconsequential. Your, your labors don't count here. You cannot work your way into rest. You have to rest. That is, rest on the assured promises of God through Jesus. So Jesus says, in, in this regard, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What an amazing statement. What, an, what, what a powerful statement. He says, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth. So then Jesus is the truth of God. Therefore, I can rest in the truth of God when I have Jesus and Jesus has me. So, so never get tired of hearing more about Jesus. Don't get tired. Don't say, well, I'm bored. I want to hear something else. When you come to the very feet of God, when you come to a place of kneeling before Jesus Christ, you've come to the ultimate. Once you have experienced the ultimate, what are you going to do for an encore? I mean, how can you beat the ultimate? I've had, uh, I've got eaten in restaurants and things that people baked or bakeries baked, and they would call something the ultimate cheesecake. It's not the ultimate cheesecake. They just named it that. Because you'll find invariably another cheesecake that's even better than that with you, that you thought was ultimate. But when you come to Jesus, you have come to the ultimate. You've come to the ultimate. And therefore, the only thing that is left for us is to enjoy. Just enjoy him. Enjoy him. And I, I tell you this by the Holy Spirit that I know, that he wants us to enjoy him. He wants to have wonderful and sweet fellowship with every believer. Now, how can I do that? I can, do, I can receive that by believing every word because every word of God is true. Every word. So I believe it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I was taught previously. What matters is what God is saying and then what I am doing about it or how I am responding to what God has said about me. God says things about you that are so wonderful, I know it is difficult sometimes to believe them. When we were younger, I remember during the charismatic renewal, we were, we were young people, and we were really living for God as much as we knew how. We were really trying to please God, but sometimes we would stumble. You know, we, I know maybe, maybe there are people here who never, ever stumbled. I, I used to say, if you stumble, you ought to stumble toward God, not away from him. And so we would stumble. Maybe we'd get angry or something or say something that was improper, shouldn't have said or whatever. And uh, there, were, there would be some a prophetic person who would come to uh, the churches where we were residing or to a home group meeting, and they would say, a young person, stand. I can hear it now. Stand. Uh, the Lord give, gives you a word tonight, and you're feeling like, oh, I'm worthless. I'm no good. I, I've failed the Lord. It says, the Lord says he is pleased with you. And you're, you know, yeah, you, young man. You, young woman, yes. And so, Because God is not looking at you at this particular moment. When God called you a son or a daughter, th that was a predestined statement. In other words, what God is saying to you, he's calling you my son, my daughter. You are my inheritance. God cannot lose his inheritance. 
That's an impossibility. And so when he says that about you, he's not just making something up. When he said to Abraham, you are the father of many nations, he wasn't making that up. He was talking to an impotent man, as we see it. But when God said it, it wasn't somebody said, it was as good as done. No, it wasn't as good as done. It was done. And the only thing that kept Abraham from actually seeing it at that moment was time and space. So when God says something about you, it is what God says it is. You are who God says you are. And you are the pillar and ground of the truth. Now begin to act like it. Walk in the truth of God. Amen. He says that we must fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And so the writer is, gives us a warning. I've come to the conclusion that the warnings are not empty warnings. They're not just there to make you a little bit afraid, as, uh, to scare you or whatever, or, or a threat that God will take away what he has already given to you. I also now, um, if we go back to the old covenant, we may see some examples of God doing some of those things in time and space, but I think we have to understand the fuller context. And what helped me once to understand the fuller context was when God calls Saul his servant. I mean, that really, you know, that will make you scratch your head. And when God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant, and, and when the scripture, when the scripture uh, uh, rather, he calls Saul, the first king of Israel, his anointed, and he calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant. And when God does that, you ask, how is that? How is that possible? It, it was true because uh, everything I read in the scriptures, Nebuchadnezzar came to a place where he acknowledged the God of heaven. Yeah. And, and Saul, although he, he was disobedient, disobedient, even then he was called God's anointed. And David refused to touch God's anointed. It's amazing. We have to understand these things the way God understands them. So when God called Abraham, changed his name from Abram to Abraham, uh, the, the father of a multitude, the father of many nations, when he called him that, that's what he was. When God calls you son, that's who you are. Yes, that's who you are. When he says you're the, the pillar and ground of truth, that's who you are. Now start acting like it. So, he's, so in speaking of coming short of something, he says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Amazing comparison. The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But this changes the direction. The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and those who heard it. So the word did not profit them. So then the word did not profit them. The word does not negate the fact that God has called you. And so it says, the word did not profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They failed to realize what God had for them. So I, when I read this, on one hand, I will say, I'm not going to miss it. And, and, and when I stand up here in faith, I can say, you're not going to miss it. And if I do that, that's what I would call a rhema that God gave me for you, that you're not going to miss it. But the writer says, that's fear, because you may have come short of it. 
And so he's talking about not by faith. He's not talking about faith as it were from the ground up. He's talking about faith from the time you hear the word till, you're, till you meet your goal. So coming short of it is that you're on the way, but you just give up. And it was right there. All you had to do was make another step. This is what God wants us to understand. When I hear believers saying, I don't know what to believe. I just want to just give them a whack. You'll pray for me. Don't, don't. <laughs> Pray for me. I just want to get my thing. What do you mean you don't know? How can the truth not know a lie? It sees the lie. The truth stands in opposition to the lie. So you ought to know because you are standing in the truth. Amen. Are you still with me? Yes. You stand in the truth. Now, you may momentarily not know something, but that moment does not define you. Yes. I've had a lot of moments. They didn't define me. That moment was passing, and, and I passed by the moment. Amen. I've been standing when a lot of things came to pull me down, to destroy me, and you have too. Those things that came against you to eat up your flesh, those enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Amen. That's what the Scripture says, and that's what we must be in this time, in this time in which we live. Hmm. I had a plethora of Scriptures here tonight. I always do that. Now listen. The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed, listen, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished, listen, from the foundation of the world. They missed it, even though the works were finished from the foundation of the world. But he says, we who have believed do enter that rest. I, I number, a number of years ago when I, I was preaching on believing, having faith, walking in, in the truth of God, and I remember saying countless times, when you wake up every morning, you don't have a thousand things to do. You have one thing to do when you wake up every morning, and that is to believe God. Amen. So God hasn't made this very complicated. And I was coming out of the, the 60s and the 70s, especially the 70s, when we heard all of those things you had to remember if you were going to walk successfully. And I said, God, this is too complicated for me. I'm not that smart. I need something simple. I need, I need one thing to do. I need one person in my life, Jesus. I don't need to know a plethora of things. I need to know Jesus. Now, there are many aspects of Jesus. But once I have, have Jesus, I have all of Jesus. And then I have to wake up and believe that God so loved me that he gave me his only begotten son. And I need to know because of that, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I need to know that when I go through the rivers, they won't drown me. I need to know, I need to know because when I go through the fires, and I will go through the fires, we will have fiery trials that will try us, but I know I won't be burned. I will not be singed. I won't have that singed chicken smell on me. That's what God wants you to know. And everything else makes no sense. He says, we who have believed do enter that rest. So, you have entered the rest. You don't struggle when you're in good rest. I have a dear friend, a dear friend who, who knows how to rest. And I, I say to him, you know, the word of God says, he giveth his beloved sleep. Yeah. Knows how to rest. And sometimes I'm still trying to learn how to rest. 
And I rest in the promises of God, but natural rest is, ooh, I'm always awake. But listen to this. Let's, let's go further. The, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So when God spoke, it was really finished for you. You and I are seeing it in real time, second by second, moment by moment, hour by hour. We're seeing us walk out what is already done for us. So my title, I must know him. So my desire is that you and I will go on to know him deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because there are deeper places in the Lord. There are deeper places in the Lord for you. It's so terrible if you, if, you know, you've been left. By the way, Jesus, when he died, he gave us the whole New Testament, gave us all the promises of God, all of them. And it's a terrible thing now to know if you were living in this world and, and Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk was your papa and they left you all those billions and then you were under the bridge. You're homeless. Or you were just kind of walking around with the rest of us poor folks. And you were very wealthy, but you never knew it. You never knew it. That's what it's like. For us. Let's do better as believers. Let's know our wealth. Our wealth is none other than Jesus Christ. I must know him. Our wealth is beyond this world. Our wealth is endless wealth. Our wealth does not uh, regard inflation. No, there's no inflation. There's no deflation. Our, our wealth does not know scarcity. Are you still with me? So let's go on to know him. Uh, let's go on to know Jesus and, 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 and lift our, our hands, our hearts, our minds, everything toward him. Paul tells us that we should then set our minds, but not on earthly things, but on things that are above. So sometimes we, we hear messages in their well-given messages, uh, well-given sermons. They're passionate, uh, but sometimes they're just, and they're sincere, but sometimes they're sincerely and passionately wrong. When somebody says that we're so heavenly minded but no earthly good, that can never be true. Well, we can be falsely heavenly minded, but to be truly heavenly minded is to be truly much earthly good. Yeah, because Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. There are too many believers who are enslaved to the things of this earth. No, don't be. Don't misuse this world. But you, but you have been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. So I must know him. I have one thing to do, and that is to know Jesus deeper and deeper. So he says in verse 4, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, in the, of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. In verse 6, he, he brings it home. He starts to bring it home. He says, since therefore, as a result of these things, he says, since therefore it remains, or there's been, there's left behind something for the believer. There's left behind something for the believer. You know, in, um, in the book of Ruth, this older gentleman named Boaz uh, found this young woman named Ruth. It was his relative's, uh, his relative Naomi's daughter-in-law whose son had died. And she was out there gleaning in Boaz's field. Boaz took note of her. He says, this girl is not like these other girls. And he sure did like that girl. 
You like that girl? And he said to his, his, his reapers, he said, hey, hey, he said, girl, yes, sir. I want you to leave handfuls on purpose for her. I want you to be intentional. Wherever she's gathering, I want you to make sure you drop something for her. That's what God is doing for us. Even in troubled times, he's leaving handfuls on purpose for us. Hallelujah. Because you know what? He said, I love you. Hallelujah, somebody. There remains, therefore it remains that some must enter it. I believe right now here in this life, there's a remnant. There is a remnant that's going to enter into a supernatural rest here on this planet. We're not going to have to wait until Jesus comes bodily in the millennium, but there is a rest for us to demonstrate. Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of because of, don't say that louder, because of what? Disobedience. Wow. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David, today. After such a long time, as, is, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, what? Do not harden your hearts. So what I want to say that I've realized in my short life that when God gives me a word, if I will obey at that moment, things are pretty easy. But if I wait to obey, see, he didn't designate tomorrow. He designated today. The day that you hear it, that is the designated day. And if you will not harden yourself against that word that was preached to you, you will enter a place like no other place you've been. And Father, I declare it over the brothers and sisters of this house. I declare it over those who are watching in Corpus Christi and the coastal bend. I declare it over those who are in Asia and Africa, Europe, here in North America, Central America, South America, and the islands of the sea. I declare that those who are listening will have a supernatural ability to lay hold of the truth of God and be blessed thereby. In the name of the Lord. Let them receive right now. Cause them to receive right now and enter a place where they don't struggle anymore. They don't keep struggling and struggling. But there will be handfuls left for them on purpose. And they won't have to wonder from field to field, philosophy to philosophy, position to position. You will leave it. You will rescue their children, heal their children from their backsliding, from their, their diseases. You will, you will cause COVID-19 to bow down before them. 
in the name of the Lord. You will leave handfuls on purpose. When they get that bad diagnosis, they won't look at it, at it as a prognosis. For they will live and they will not die and they will declare the glory and the works of God. In the name of the Lord, I speak it over this house. Thank you in Jesus' name.